Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday at 2, so it is What Black Pittsburgh Needs to Know Today. I am Dr. Cheryl Hall Russell with BW3, and I am joined, as usual, every Tuesday at 2 since April of last year with Jasiri X, who is the co-founder of One Hit Media, and with Dr. Jamil Bay, who is the founder and president of the Urban Kind Institute. Gentlemen, we are literally running into our almost one-year anniversary doing this work. What the heck? How'd this happen? Do we have a one-year anniversary date? What, what date did we April kick off? April 7th. April 7th. We're getting close. All right. Yeah. So a year ago, we were going to do a show on COVID for how many weeks? We were like, you know what? We need to just get together and talk about COVID for a few weeks. And I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we we it, it, we're still here. I think, um, yeah, I think this was right around when the first lockdown went into place. Where, because yeah. I remember, um, I, my last trip was to Grand Rapids, Michigan. I remember, I remember going there, and you know, this was before everything shut down and kind of coming back. And then it was like colleges shut down, schools shut down. So we we are kind of a year of I I, I can't really say lockdown because so many people have. You know, I guess flouted the <laughs> unlocked <laughs> mask and social distancing stuff. But you know, a year later, and I think that's you know always my question for Doctor Bay. A year later, you know, um, we we are reporting lower numbers. Um, it seems like um, more people are getting vaccinated. Uh, another vaccine is coming on the scene. I guess the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, which is only one shot. Um, and, you know, and, and it, at, the, at the same time, we're coming kind of coming into spring. Um, and so, it, it, you know, is there any do you have an update, Dr. Bay? Is there a like, is the summer going to be like on it or what? <laughs> do we get our summer back? <laughs> well, you, you know what? There was there was a good story in The New York Times yesterday and they were talking about, you know, uh, thankfully, that the predictions for what this was, what was going to happen in Africa and in you know poorer parts of Asia, you know where they were expecting massive casualties, that that didn't happen. And you know you look at those countries and you say, well, what was different compared to the rest of the world, where you know you have the the wealthier countries, you know, getting their asses kicked, and in the countries where they were like, oh, you know, their systems can't handle this. And so there were a couple of things to contribute to one you know, being outdoors, you know, and, and folks in, uh, you know, folks on the continent tend to live life more outdoors than we do. You mm -hmm. know, we, we want to be locked up in the house with the windows closed and either the AC on or the furnace running. And so that contributes to it, you know, and then also, you know, everybody there, like here in Barbados, you know, our windows have been open since October. We haven't closed them, you know, since I've been here. So the air is flowing through the house. And so that contributes. And so warmer weather and being outside is likely going to contribute. You know, there were a couple of other things, but as far as what we can take away from here, the yeah. other thing was that people were, okay, let's take this seriously, put on your damn mask. And people respected that part of it, you know, just across the continent and in Asia. And so that's helped. You know, so here we see, and, you know, so the CDC said, well, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear your mask if you're around other people who've been vaccinated in small groups. And so the concern is not around the science of that, you know, because there was another story today about that. It's that health officials are worried the message that that's going to send is, OK, you can let your guard down because, yeah. you know, in the United States, we never started thinking about, OK, wear your mask. 
you know, we never took that seriously. There was always a fight against, I'm an American, you don't tell me what to do. I can put everybody at risk, that's my freedom. You know, just stupid American shit. And so that part of it, you know, we, we, we saw the spike this week. Uh, I don't know, my music just jumped back on for no reason. But oh, we man, saw I don't know what that was. It sounded like a ghost or something coming through. The- <laughs> there, there, was, there was a spike this week in, um, in Allegheny County, Westmoreland County. You know, the numbers started to tick back up. People started saying, oh, we got vaccines, and people aren't following the same rules again. And so the worry is just Americans don't want to, you know, do what we need to do. We want to, our freedoms are to, you know, die and kill everybody, that kind of stupid mentality. And so that's the worry and that's the kind of concern. So, you know, there was a tick in, in Allegheny County and there was an uptick, you know, across the state because people are vaccinating, vaccinated and letting their guards down. So they think herd immunity is here. Uh-oh, am I getting some feedback on my mic too? Okay, let's see what's going to happen. Um, then we've got 10 states who have basically opened the doors. They're like, take off your mask, run freely, my friends. It's getting warm and, you know, and so I was reading in the New York Times, they're expecting to see a surge as a result of, you know, who started it? Was it Texas and Mississippi and all the rest of them followed and was like, unmask, we're free. So yeah, it's, I mean, always it's always Texas. It's always Texas. <laughs> I mean, these are folks that still don't have water, but they're telling people to, you know, right. and that whole, you know, that that's a whole conversation in itself. We're still looking at, Jackson, Mississippi, and multiple places in uh, that are still suffering from the freeze that they had. I mean, Jackson mm-hmm. is a pretty good-sized metropolitan city. Um, you know, those, those are my, my hometown peeps uh, in Mississippi, and there's still a, a large swath of people who don't have running water. They are literally living off of going out and getting cases of water uh, from which to to take care of their bathing and drinking. Uh, this is a capital city in Mississippi in 2021, and their entire system just broke down. You got folks in Texas receiving eight and sixteen thousand dollar bills for electricity based on that surge. I Yet, saw a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar bill. Oh, I think it was like on. a church got a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar bill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, and they you know, decided like, that they're going to stick them with it. The decision came down two days ago that. We're not going to. We're not going to reduce the bills. This is the way they set the system up. Figure it out. What? I, yeah, I, I mean, I think. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. And I think um, I don't. It, it seems that there would be because I mean I know most of the political people were saying they were against that, but like you said, I mean, you set up a process to where you know they have their own grid in Texas, and these corporations can do that type of price gouging. I mean, once you set it up, I mean, you almost got to go ahead with what you set up. I mean, um, you know, they could argue that we're just operating by the laws that. So exactly. I think it's for. Yeah, I think it's for people in Texas to then look at, you know, who you're electing and how much these people are, are protecting you. I did have a question uh, for you, Dr. Bay, around vaccinations, because I know there's been a conversation nationally around what are we doing about uh, our, our incarcerated family mm. and the vaccination. I saw, I saw one stat that said half the people in California that were incarcerated had got COVID-19, uh, which I thought was staggering that 50% of the, 
of incarcerated. But then, and then, you know, there's been this local conversation around specifically Allegheny County Jail. It seems like every time you look up, is more people in the jail getting COVID-19. Has there been a conversation locally around what do we do about vaccinating folks that are incarcerated? And, I, and, and, and for those of us that have family members and that have, you know, um, Mumia Abu-Jamal, I believe, uh, uh, got COVID. And, you know, he's somebody that, you know, many people believe is not guilty for, for the, the crimes he's charged with. Uh, mm-hmm. Many people believe he's a political prisoner. Um, is there a conversation about this? And is there a way we can, I guess, maybe, you know, use our platforms to forward this conversation? Well, I don't know if, I mean, a conversation, but are the people who are in power who want to have that conversation going to listen? I mean, you see what happened. I mean, Fitzgerald doesn't even want to, he's, he and his folks are opposed to even testing in the jail, you know, at scale. And so Olivia and and Bethany and folks, you know, a couple of folks on the county council are trying to push that issue, but they've been resistant and trying to use it on some, you know, some, you know, twisted data to say that there's no justification for that when you see the numbers. And so uh, as far as, well, what's the effort to vaccinate? You know, that's not a priority population. They've been, you know, just the way that we've been approaching this in Allegheny County is, you know, hiding behind and, you know, looking at a limited set of data to make the decisions about, you know, how how this should be rolled out. It's not based on vulnerability. It's not based on uh, you know, susceptibility to long-term or severe illness. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, it's a conversation that we need to have, but we're yeah, not yeah. having it with the right people who want to listen, who are thinking about, okay, what do we do? Right. So I know started, uh, go ahead, uh, Dr. Russell. I, I was saying they started doing uh, them at the state prisons and I know they got, got controversial. Uh, they had some folks who were qualifying because of age and health and then, of course, some Republican, you know, state senators came out like, how are we prioritizing, you know, rapists and, you know, murderers and, you know, why are they getting, you know, shots ahead of correction officers? And so it immediately last month got really controversial about whether um, they should receive them at all. You know, they, they kept talking about the rest of the population. You know, what we do know is they're very vulnerable. What we also know that the rollout of this of the vaccinations period becomes very, it, it's still bumpy as hell. Um, and, and I, I do have one more comment. I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying this to get, you know, one of our famous Dr. Bay rants, uh, but I did the, find the it today, interesting. Let me take my glasses okay. off. Look, I did find it interesting. I, I want to say, I think it might've been um, um, maybe the Pittsburgh current um, that had the story about, um, um, you know, the count executive Fitzgerald, actually supposing like that according to i guess the law he's supposed to like physically be at these allegheny county jail meetings and he has not been present at all and it it seems interesting like i said as somebody from the outside looking in that this is an entity that is has the biggest budget out of all the things you're supposed to be managing as a county executive, here is the entity that has the largest budget and the most problems. And, you know, and, and he hasn't been present at all. And people are asking him and calling him and emailing him and, and trying to bring him to the table. And he just refuses to, 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 to be <laughs> present. And I'm just wondering, like, as a like, what can again, like, what can we do as a community? Say, well, wait a second, man. Now, I know he's not 
you know, up for re-election again. But the idea that like this is the entity that has the biggest budget, the most problems. Like if you can't even, I mean, how busy is your schedule? You can't take, I mean, it's, I mean, you can't take a, a hour or two out for one day to go to this meeting. And he tells and, them how and, to and, vote, but won't show up in person. Yeah. Himself. I think that's and he has super, one county. It's a terrible jail. It's nationally right. seen as a terrible jail. Right. And, it, so, and it's, and it's, to me, it's like, you're like, we're like part of the reason why you're elected and you're like, this is your job. You know, this is your job. And so to basically, if you have a document that says you have to be there, like legally, you're legally obligated to be there. And you just say, forget it. I'm not showing up. I'm not commenting on it. I'm not, you know, it, 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 it your leadership comes into question at that point. Like how you're leading, what are you doing? Like, because it's not like you're making comments in the news about it. Um, and so it, to me, it's just something to think about. You know, I know we're entering this, you know, political thing where we're looking at leadership and who's supporting who. But it is super interesting to me that I did see that because I did not know that he was legally supposed to be at these yeah. jail meetings and to for him to just basically say, I'm not even going to deal with it. And even and, and, and feel like he don't even have to say why I think is pretty, pretty interesting. You know what I'm saying? So does does he send a proxy? Is he is it legal for him to send the proxy? I, I didn't see that news story. I don't know if it's legal. Know. He sends a proxy, but he definitely uh, <laughs> right. whether it's legal or not, I don't know. But 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 he, he's a person that said. I mean, his his record is what it is, and his base is who they are. Now we're looking at a democratic machine and a system that has control over so many things that it really does not. We don't have the numbers to make a difference. And this is a population that obviously he doesn't care about. If he did, he would act differently. But so, I mean, so it's like, would his presence there matter? Would it be helpful? I mean, probably not. But I think, you know, the, the thing that helps me think about this, okay, his term is, or we have term limits. It's going to be a new county executive. Are we thinking about that now? Is it, do we know who we do not want in that position? Like, how do we think about that? Or do we wait to see what that machine produces? And then we start to say, no, that's not acceptable. Because, I mean, you look at, you know, the elected officials that we do have and how much control they have, Fitzgerald has, you know, how much influence he has in the party between he and, and Zapala. You know, those are two powerful people. And they've not, you know, you bring this issue up quite frequently, Jasiri, you talk about southwestern Pennsylvania being a hotbed for white supremacy. One thing about anybody who's extreme, right, you know, that, that, that there's the big extreme, but then there are a whole lot of people who are on the fringes that tolerate, you know, some of that extremism, you know, in the circle. So if you're in the space where extremism is, you know, okay, you know, well, everybody's not extreme, but you have some sympathy. Yeah, some of my cousins, yeah, my father, you know, 1.2 million people in the county, there's a lot of extremely, you know, racist, white supremacist mean folk in this county that are a part of his constituency and are probably there in larger numbers than there are black folks. And so when we start thinking about what does this mean? How do we organize? How do we plan? This is what this is what we, we are controlled by. And what I'm saying control, but you look at how does money filter filter through the party? If Ed Ganey's the Democratic nomination, he is right for the for the mayor. What does that mean if money for his kid? How does Fitzgerald have his hands in directing that? as the party leader, all of those things come into play. But his sympathetic base, when you know, why won't he do this? Why does he do this? That's not a, that, that equity lens that we want. That's not yeah. his lens. 
Wow. Uh, well, that's something to sit in for a second. So, I mean, basically it's like these, these aren't the people that, uh, that I care about. So I don't have to answer <laughs> to them, but I don't have to be responsible for them and keep it moving. Right. And they well, do not have enough political power to one way or the other push me out. Right. So, but I, I like the idea of, like you said, like thinking forward. I know that we have, you know, judges races coming up. We have a mayoral race coming up. But I really love the idea of thinking forward and saying, like, you know, there is going to be another election around um, uh, our, our district attorney. Um, there is going to be another election around our county executive. What are, like, you know, we obviously want one to me. I, w- I would want one to have you know, at least fulfill his legal obligations. If you know what I'm saying, like, you know, and, and so can I, we I go think with that minimum standards? Here? So, minimum so, standards. So what's the, what's the worst thing can happen to you? You gonna throw him in the county jail for a night? Uh, yeah. It probably would be the worst thing that ever happened. Right. Who's going to do it? Yeah, right. who's going to enforce it, Zapala? Yeah, that's true. We, we no, can go down this hall quick and in a hurry. So, so really, why we convened today was talk was not about this, but we're going to talk more about this at some point. There's been some interesting documents I've been seeing about, uh, you know, who's running for different offices. Uh, you know, we're we're not necessarily taking sides one way or the other, but we do hope to educate and share about those positions that are opening and who's running for them, and you know, give some ideas out here. Uh, but today, I'm excited because we're talking about art. Um, and you know, it's what black Pittsburgh needs to know. We have, we bring all kinds of aspects of, of what's going on in black Pittsburgh. And today we're focusing on our artists. We've got some really cool folks that we're going to bring in, um, art in the city and like every other major city has been impacted by COVID. Uh, and in some cases with some of our guests in an interesting way, they kind of blew up, uh, while we were all behind closed doors, their art is speaking for them in a really broad and sometimes national way. For others, it's been more of a struggle. So we want to talk to them about some of the successes, some of the challenges, what they see coming down the pike. And so we're going to bring in uh, four artists. Um, We're going to bring them in now. We've got um, D.S. Kinzel, who is with Boom Concepts. It will be coming in. We've got Stacey Pearl, who is the co-artistic director of Pearl, um, Pearl Arts. And... We've got Janelle Young, community artist in residence for Urban Kind, who is certainly blowing up on the national scene. And we have Jessica Moss, who's a really interesting mixture of artists and independent curator and and works with philanthropy. So we're going to get some really interesting, I uh, hope to have a really interesting conversation on art. And there they are popping in. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so... I have uh, part of my job uh, doing this is I have a wonderful opportunity to get on the phone before these shows and, you know, talk about uh, talk with our guest. And this was a really fun one, you know, talking to you guys about what you're doing. And it's in such different places. Janelle, I mean, this year for you, good grief. You have somehow like every time I look up, there's Janelle getting, you know, on, on the side of something. Tell me about this year for you. Um, man, the past year, I couldn't have imagined the opportunities that came my way. Um, so, I mean, I think everyone on this call knows uh, I am the resident artist with Urban Kind with uh, Dr. Bay. But um, beyond that, just with JY Originals, I got some amazing opportunities that bloomed out of COVID. Um, and then kind of the other 
uh, opportunities started rolling in. Um, I had the opportunity to design Yahoo's Black History Month logo. Um, I received a, a grant for actually the piece that's behind me, Avalanche, um, from New Sun Rising, about how COVID is impacting our communities. And that was, um, you know, very important for me to be able to reflect that for especially our local Pittsburgh family. Um, just being part of, you know, these kind of national um, and local movements, um, was great. Uh, I had some opportunities to create COVID artwork for downtown Pittsburgh through the downtown uh, for Pittsburgh downtown partnerships um, and some other things like that and bringing in other artists to work with. Um, so I think there was a very interesting um, way that organizations and companies were thinking about how to use art in a way to communicate with people, which is what I try to do at Urban Kind, right? So. Um, in that sense, it was it was amazing. Um, I think Cheryl freaked out the most about the U.S. Open, right? Like that was super cool. Um, but I, I could have never like dreamed that those things would happen. And um, a, a lot of times, people ask me, "Well, how did you get that? And what did you do?" And I was like, "They found me. <laughs> yeah, they found me on Instagram." Like I always tell artists when they ask, you know, "What can I do to to pull clients?" I'm like put your head down and do the work because whether it's a pandemic or not, the people will find you. Wow. Um, wow. I mean, your story has been fascinating because at a time when we keep talking about the lack, you know, that, you know, we were all scared. March last year, we were all of us looking around like, what is my future going to look like? Am I going to keep my house? What I'm, you know? And so I don't think any of us knew those of you who have venues, you know, Stacy and, 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 you know, DS when you, you got places for people to come or are you doing that physical contact? This had to impact you guys in a very different way. What do you, you know, how did, how did that work out with you, Stacey? <laughs> Let's see that look on your face. <laughs> um, we were planning on moving anyway, like before, and but we were, we had, we were maybe about a year out from moving and COVID came along and everything that was happening at the studio disappeared. Everything that was happening on tour disappeared. Everything, everything just kind of went away. So we ended up, and, and also it made our plan for our move stretch out because of finances, because of um, just the, the, the space isn't ready yet and mm -hmm. get it ready and we need to do a capital campaign. All this stuff got stretched to an extra year. So we're, we're at the end, Right now, we would be moving into a new space. We're not, but um, some really cool opportunities came up out of that. And we have a mutual aid residency with KST, you know, thanks to Joseph Hall. Um, we're housed there. The dance company part of our oper operation is housed there right now for the next two years. We're helping them with their, with their education program. And we're also, you know, when we can rehearse, we rehearse there. Um, we have office space there and we're also working on other programs together there. So that was something that we didn't see coming along until after COVID. Also, and DS is going to tell you more about this too, we, we a bunch of our organizations, black organizations um, here in Pittsburgh got together under KST or with KST because it's pretty collaborative um, to start Hotline Ring, which yeah big success last year. 
And we're very happy about it. We're doing it again this year. <laughs> so look out for that. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of changes, but it, it, it didn't end up being like, you know, just because our space went away, it didn't end up being a hot mess like it could have. And <laughs> we kept our staff, we kept our dancers, and we're still teaching virtually. And we also have a lot of, um, I won't say a lot, but we have some national um, possibilities com coming up. And we've gotten some national support through um, National Dance Project and National Performance Network. So they're, that's all supportive of touring. And we're, thank you. And, <laughs> um, and they're also supportive with if the touring ends up being later, later, later down the line. So they've been very accommodating and just helping us out a whole lot and letting us know that we, it's very flexible and however we need to use the funds and, and make the work is what they're interested in. So. So you, some of you guys are collaborating because uh, Jasira, you were a part of that as well. The, um, uh, what's the name ring? I'm just right ring, out of my head. Ring, yeah. 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 You guys. Yeah, and it was the first, I want to say it was, yeah, it was the first kind of like group virtual fundraiser so it was kind of like even historic in the fact that it happened here um so yeah no that was it was a, it was a blessing um to, uh, you know and i i i kind of hope it leads to maybe even something greater than a fundraiser i know like it remind you know because we were talking about this morning uh, uh uh kenzel and you know i remember me and you met maybe like three years ago about like what would a kind of a arts collective look like um just trying to you know instead of advocating individually, like what does that collective advocacy looks like? And, um, you know, I think, you know, you, you're somebody that, um, uh, uh, DS that kind of uses art in, in many ways to kind of like bus up <laughs> <laughs> kind of a lot of traditional, you know, um, systems, which I I, to me, <laughs> this is what, this is what I, what I, you know, I, I try to do with my rap. If I feel like you, you do that, um, and so I definitely, you know, similar question, like how has this time, but you also own a space, you know, boom is a place where probably all of us have been to been the future performer there, you know, been able to, you know, enhance our own careers by utilizing boom space, um, artists and activists. So how has it been being that you own a space that we can't use through COVID and how have you all been able to navigate uh, this last year as an organization. Yeah, thank you, Jazeri. You know, one of the things for us is not only do we have a brick and mortar, but we also operate multiple leases for our auxiliary spaces. So, you know, we have a lease at a live work studio that we've been uh, providing supportive housing to folks over the pandemic and just a studio space for artists that may be visiting to the area that they can trust with safety COVID, COVID, safety COVID protocols um, we have access to a space uh, that's a production facility. So we've been in a lot of conversations with our landlord there, and that has been a little bit dicey. And then, you know, everyone knows about our home site, 5139 Penn Avenue, uh, where not only had we had to stop all of our monthly programming, uh, which is the backbone of the Penn Avenue Arts and Business District, our Unblurred, which features an artist that has an artist talk. Um, you know, we also had to stop all of our rentals for communities. So whether that be the Sweet 16 birthday party that's happening around the way, um, whether that be, you know, folks want to just come and rap 
someone wants to rent out the studio for a specific reason. And we have very different relationships with landlords across those three leases that we hold. Um, and, you know, nobody gave us a deal on rent, uh, not at our home place. They ain't called. They ain't asked if we needed something fixed. Uh, so we had to be really agile and kind of bust some things up, you know, formalize relationships and partnerships. I think Hotline Ring was one of the way we formalized our relationships of knowing people for 10 and 15 years, you know, uh, one of the many ways we can do that. And then we had to really figure out what was essential for Boom Concepts. And although, you know, everyone has come as a patron and may reflect upon that time, we know that Boom Concepts is a space dedicated to artists, focused on artists and wanting to help them develop uh, their portfolio and their career. So we had to strip everything down at our home site, uh, formalize all of our own policies about who can be on site, what does that mean, what is the communication, and just really, um, really buckled down and offered newer, uh, more fine-tuned fine services for artists so that people can be at our space, uh, but it's not, you know, a million people coming in during Unblurred trying to get free cheese and wine. <laughs> you said something really interesting to me yesterday. You said, not only, you know, you, you got to worry about COVID, but you've got vulnerable artists that so many of the artists don't even, even if they got it, they don't have insurance. And, you know, one of the concerns that you had was, you know, even if a lot of them were younger and all of that, if somebody got it and they got sick, they're even more vulnerable at, you know, than, than most because so many of you were uninsured. And I hadn't, hadn't really thought about it that way. And I was like, yeah, you, as with a venue, it's not just about, you know, keeping patrons safe. It's about keeping your artists safe. So, you know, you guys, you know, so we've been hearing the dreaded word and y'all, I'll forgive y'all ahead of time, but the word pivot, ah, we all hate it because it's been so overused, but all of you guys have had to do things a little bit differently since COVID. And, you know, Jessica, you get a chance to kind of look broader because you work with so many different types of artists and, you know, around funding and around, you know, cultivating art shows yourself. What are some of the pivots that you've seen out here in terms of what artists are doing differently in this last year? I'm not so mad at the word pivot. Um, maybe it's that I haven't heard it used as frequently as you, Dr. Cheryl. Um, but it implies, I'm not a sports person, so correct me if I'm wrong. But my understanding is that it implies that one foot stays and the other foot is more mobile. And I don't know if it's actually the right term to use for this situation um, because I've been moving both of my feet <laughs> mm. <laughs> this whole time. I feel like I haven't stayed uh, in any one place for an extended period of time. Uh, but I think that malleability and that flexibility is not only required of us as artists, but also just uh, an, an organic part of how it, how we move. I think it's just... It is just who we are inherently, this ability to constantly reimagine um, and remain flexible as things are constantly changing around us. Um, but a lot of things did change this year. You know, my personal art project changed dramatically. I've been writing letters in the post um, as of recent, as a media, like mail art, which feels very archaic and antiquated. Um, but it, it's, a, it's an exciting project because that feeling of waiting 
Um, and you know, for the mail, it just feels so like I haven't, I, now I just get bills, you know, I, I'm not excited <laughs> about the mail and, and really nostalgic and really youthful and re-energizing and with a media that I never thought that I would use in the way that I'm using it. Um, in my work in philanthropy, as you'd mentioned, uh, this past year with the Advancing Black Arts in Pittsburgh program, there was a 0% decline rate, and this has never happened before in philanthropy. Everyone who submitted a full application and was eligible received a check of $500. And I hope that this is something that just becomes precedent with not only ABAP, but just across the field. Because we all know on this call, as well as folks who are listening, that it's work to create these applications. And often when you don't get funded, it is just so, it's deflating. And you yeah. have no energy to want to apply again with no incentive. And so I'm incredibly proud of that work. Also uh, with ABAP, uh, you know, no alphabet soup. That's the Advancing Black Arts in Pittsburgh project. Um, <laughs> Something that I am so excited about and I got to share with Dr. Cheryl yesterday was that we're offering a new funding stream this year. Uh, this is specifically for young 18 to 25-year-old Black students who are interested in pursuing a career in arts administration specifically. Um, and I'm so excited about it because as a young emergent arts administrator, I've felt so many barriers in my career. It felt so inaccessible. And so creating this funding stream as a springboard or a pipeline feels like a game changer and something that maybe if it wasn't COVID times, we wouldn't have been able to push through and really get um, to be at the table as an offering for our community. Um, and then lastly, I run two residency programs uh, one is in Pittsburgh uh, called Sybil Shrine, which specifically supports Black moms who are artists. And Dr. Cheryl is a part of our cohort, and we're so happy uh, <laughs> to be in community with you. Um, but also the Roll Up CLT, which is an artist residency program in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And COVID presented significant challenges, as you mentioned with both Stacy and Daryl, of thinking about running physical spaces that bring in artists and communities. And we've had to completely reimagine the way that our spaces function. And I love what Kinzel was saying about like what is essential to our spaces and what can we offer that's new but still serves our community. Like that that complete, you know, wipe the, the slate clean and just start to rebuild again is something that I hope all of us take forward as we're developing new projects and re really reimagining what the future can be like for artists and arts communities. Mm. What is that like? I mean, what, what is that future? Janelle, I mean, are you going to stay on, stay the course as is? Uh, I know you and uh, you and, and DS did some things together. You guys are all library cards now. Of all things, you you design those. You've had some really interesting opportunities to do that. But I'm seeing a lot more working together than apart um, in this last year. Can y'all tell me whoever wants to talk about it? What the new collaboratives are like, and will they make the cut into into next year? Are you going to keep moving in this way, Jasiri? Whoever wants to to jump into this. Oh, I'll speak um, on yeah. it. Right. <laughs> Y'all so shy. I mean, I, 
I don't think it's if if they will last. You know, I, I, we need to stop trying to think about that piece. And not everything is meant to be forever. So you know, if there is a one or two year uh, amalgamation or coming together, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. we all leave stronger from those pieces. Um, you know, an action that Bloom did recently. You know, we had uh, I think it was fifteen artists at the Carrie Furnace this past summer. Uh, working on a mural called Black on Black Love. You know, we had Mr. Jim Kidd, who's in his 70s, maybe early 80s, who's a printmaker from Braddock. Um, it was amazing to have him on there. We also had someone who was there. It was their very first public art piece. So, you know, that's not like a formal new group or anything. I mean, I want to give a shout out to Black Transformative Arts Network. Um, I want to give a shout out to the the Sybil Mamas because they making it making it fire, making it hot. So, I mean, that's a way to think about it. Short term, long term, Jasiri. I mean, you got you yeah, come I, up with some folks that you're going to be doing it. Um, Are I you mean, thinking that short or long? Uh, well, I think I think we're thinking both. I, I think you have to think about both. Um, you know, we we partnered actually through our organization One Hood Power with Boom, uh, and specifically, you know, uh, DS. And it was although it, was, it got kind of wild, but we we ended up doing a thing around voting. Um, that and it, what was dope about it was like when I went to vote to at my polling place right outside was this wheat pasting, you know, about voting and, and the power of my vote. So that that was kind of touched me like, yo, this is right. You know what I'm saying? It kind of connected that that work, you know, um, around around getting out to vote. Um, so I thought I think I think there has been. Um, these collaborations, you know, we, you know, I definitely want to shout out Camo Customs and 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 the and the murals he's did outside of the city when we did, you know, um, um, when when the city paper came to us as an organization to do a photo shoot, we said we want to go in front of one of Camo's uh, murals and 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 wanted to make sure that he was bigged up um, in that process as well. So, I mean, I just I like to see the emergence of folks emerging in this moment, and I think that's been most powerful for I think for our organization. We're always looking and saying like, oh, you know, speaking of you know work that Janelle did, she did a thing with Verizon where she designed some stuff for Verizon, and if you buy it, it it supported our organization. You know what I'm saying? You know. Our brother Q Perry did the ice cream oh, with yeah. Millie's that also came and supported one hood. Yeah, so that's you can buy that at Verizon with Janelle's <laughs> showing you right now. And that goes so those type of things were really dope um to see how art how art. But I did want to ask Janelle because I know when we first had you on the show, it was kind of around the big mural. You know what I'm saying? And kind of like and and I know that you and Camo and some other folks actually came. And kind of began to coordinate it with these artists that kind of did it. Um, how have you seen, you know, kind of the the kind of like the the protest art or like folks? How how have you seen that art develop? You know, we're this week the trial uh, for the killing of George Floyd, um, uh, uh, the officer Derek Chauvin who killed George Floyd is happening this week. Um, how, how have you seen that play out during this time during COVID? Um, uh, folks using their art to speak to uh, the protest Black Lives Matter and what's happening during these times? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And um, that original conversation that we had actually opened it up to have some more discussion with those other artists who then kind of became comrades, right? Because there, there was a lot of misunderstanding that was going on. Um, and we, were, we had a chance to discuss that and kind of build some bridges um, to actually talk about 
what happened, what we would like to see happen in the future, um, how we would like to be elevated, especially as black artists um, and those kinds of things. And I feel like those conversations for me have been happening across the board. Um, I have done other protest artwork, right? Like one of the first protest pieces I, I've shown where it was at um, the Antoine Rose benefit concert put on by One Hood. Um, yeah. And then uh, I was able to like design like protest signs for the, the church that I used to go to back in Harlem. Um, and like just having conversations with, with artists who feel like now more than ever, it's just more important to, to show how we're valuable and what we have and be able to speak um, in, in a sense uh, for people who feel like they are not being heard. Um, and if they are being heard, <laughs> it's like, but that's not what I said, right? So um, yeah, I've, I've seen so many people just like have more courage. I've seen people more confident working in groups to do something like that if they've never done it before. Um, I've, I've just seen it as a way for people to really start connecting on a more vulnerable level and talk about like what's actually going on. Hmm. That's, I, you know, I'm just finding it fascinating that it's opened up uh, doors at a time when, you know, in relationships we were, we've been talking about since even doing this show that I've met so many more people being at home <laughs> than I had <laughs> when we were out and about. I'm like, Ooh, I didn't know you existed. What? You know, it, that's been amazing. And it sounds like it's happening across the black art world as well. Is there pressure, however, during this to always related to protest or related to COVID or related, are you feeling some pressure? Any of you to stick to this kind of, um, you know, what's going on in the protest movement with your art? Are you been asked to do that more? Or do you still feel freedom to kind of do that when you want to and do other things? Janelle, I see your hand go up. I'm gonna jump in here because this is something that I've mentioned before. Like, first of all, as artists, I think um, we paint or draw or sing or dance or whatever because it is the way that we want to express the thing right that we don't really necessarily feel like talking about <laughs> um and you cannot you cannot do that to yourself continually because it is exhausting when we're talking about these really heavy subjects like protesting and and you know murdering and and just killings and you cannot do it to yourself your mental health will go down the drain um however because of something like covid and because of something like the murder of brianna taylor um i feel as though black artists specifically are asked for our input or our depiction of the trauma or whatever it is. And while these things are necessary for us to create, when you feel pigeonholed by that, it becomes a whole nother thing. Um, and I had to have a very candid conversation um, just expressing, you know, with some of the grants that were being offered and things like that around like creating artwork around COVID, like they love to ask 
you know, what is, what do you feel is your responsibility as an artist to talk about these things? And it's like, okay, I feel a duty maybe to my community or my family or just me trying to get something off my chest. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone ask a white artist, what did you feel your responsibility was? And that for me was very, very triggering especially knowing that there are white artists in the same spaces, right? And like, you may be able to feel like you can create something more whimsical or more joyful just off the bat because you creating is enough. But for me creating, it has to be profound and it has to be political and it has to be all of these things. Whereas we should be focusing on like the journey and therapy that art is for us. Mm. I'll get off my soapbox now. No, I'm curious about other responses. Anybody else relate to that? No? Just hear oh, Let me jump in since I, so I mean, hearing Janelle talk about that, I think, so our connection, my connection with Janelle is in that, you know, we both get that art as a form of communication. This is This is a way to speak in a way that I don't have the words for it or I can't express myself. You know, that avalanche piece behind her, for instance, that says so much more than what's it like as a black young woman experiencing COVID in Pittsburgh? Boom. You know, it's going to take a mini series to, to cover all the layers in that one photo, one painting that she did. And so, you know, for me, I have zero artistic talent. I can't draw a straight line. I can't draw a crooked line. You know, I can't sing, I can't dance, just, that just Gene didn't. But all the relationships that I have with artists, you know, from my brother, you know, my niece, and, and just in my, just people in the community, the, the ability for me to connect with artists just, as a, just to appreciate and respect that as a form of communication. And when we look, oh, that's, that's nice. Look at that paint. Look at that photograph. You know, I could have I taken that same photograph. But when you see an art, you know, an artist, a photo, you know, a photographer, I have a camera. I take a lot of pictures. I'm not a photographer. And I think the difference of the art of photography, the art of singing, you know, it's a communication form that that, that we don't appreciate that as that. And I think that's the power in what these these, these people, you know, from Jasiri, uh, you know, Stacey, like that's that's the power of what you do to me is this is a communication <laughs> form in a way. Yeah, I I do want to speak to um, because I kind of I guess I have a different um, I have like almost a reverse view of Janelle in the sense that I think like what what I saw happen um, even even really within the last three years was like and and this is the thing. The reality is like um, the last that I saw, I think it said one out of every uh, nine out of every 10 working artists is a white man. I think so. Like. Uh, this is all you also have to look at it through the the, the scope. And I really want to even even uh, I'll come to come to uh, Stacey and Jessica around funding, because what happens is too sometimes as artists, you got to do art based on where the funding is just to live. You know what I'm saying? And so like for me and kind of, you know, at one hood, we've always been at the intersection of arts and activism. So when 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 the summer went down like it did, people kind of automatically looked towards us and supported us because we had been in a space. But then what ends up happening is you have artists. And this is to me, like, I feel like when you have like insincere artists or people 
wanting to get into space and you don't really care about none of these issues but like i you know i get it like it's capitalism i understand like i'm i'm mad that folks have to do that but that's what i saw happen i saw people get like and i you and this you know this is this has really been going on since around 2015 16 because i remember folks jumping into the space and me saying you should probably call kenzel you should probably call Vanessa German, you should probably talk to people who have already been in this space and using their art to speak to these issues and bring them into a larger conversation because they can also help you navigate some of those things. I feel that pressure, Janelle. Like, I'd be like, damn, do I want to be the tragedy rapper? Like, do I always got, like, can I, can I, can I be happy on my, on my record one time? So I feel that yeah. pressure a lot of times, but I'm more so and more like, I, I don't like when people come into the space because they see like this is what's hot right now and they really don't do it in a sincere manner. That's what kind of bothers me. And 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 and, and, and just one more thing I'll say, I wish where is I think you bring up a great point, Janelle. Where is the white artist speaking about white supremacy? Where is he or she? You know what I'm saying? That's what, what I, we need. A, we need a bunch of white artists willing to challenge the current systems of white supremacy right now. You know what I'm saying? And and, and we can't. The, the fact that there's not one we can really point to. I mean, if there is, please leave it in the comment. Would love to. Would love to connect with them. But that's what we need to see. Where right when the Capitol riots happen. People don't go to white artists and be like, "Hey, you gonna do something about these <laughs> about these crazy white folk that done ran up in the Capitol?" Like, where's your art for that? And I, but I think I would like to see that. I don't know. I'll give a shout out to Rob. I'll give a shout out to Rob Rogers though. He be he be doing some Rob Rogers. Cartoons. Rob he Rogers is some the truth. Cartoon fire. That's all I got. Yes, yes. Rob Rogers is the truth. Uh, Jessica, did you want to just talk about the 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 the, the funding piece of it or? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I'm also thinking before I move there, Jasiri, there are folks who do that, but it's that it's like the ethical piece that comes in. Is there anybody that's doing that work that is doing it with like with morals and ethics where they don't center themselves as white savior? That's the point, right? Like, and that when I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I can name white artists that make art about whiteness and white supremacy, but when it's not about them, that part gets a little trickier. Anyway, um, Oh my gosh, there's so much great funding opportunities ahead of us. And, and when uh, Dr. Cheryl and Jasiri and Jamila asked for me to be a part of this call, this is like what I get most excited about is sharing the wealth of information that exists in our city as such a valuable resource. And there are both national grant incentives as well as local, like Pittsburgh-based programs. So I highly encourage you, whether you're here or not to apply for all all of the funding streams. I apply for at least three grants a day, and you know, like rejection is my middle name. But I think just constantly applying, it's like it's practice, you know. And if you can get feedback from the different grantors about like specifically what didn't work or how could I make this stronger, as you continue to apply to different funding streams, you'll just get better and better, and your language will be so on point because you'll have said it so many times. So 
it should never feel like a moment of defeat. You know, just go into it already with the understanding that like, this is your work and this is the job. You know, like I've had jobs where I had to answer the phone. I'd be like, why do these stupid people ask me the same question every time they can find it online? And then I realized that was my job. Was to just answer the phone and say the same information again. So grant, you know, like writing grants is very similar. Of course, I have to start with ABAP, right? Like we have a full new slate of, of funding that just opened two weeks ago. All of those grant applications are due uh, April 16th. We've done two information. We will do two information sessions. So if you miss the one in February, there will be another Q&A in March. And this is like for you to ask questions about what you're submitting or which fund stream you should apply to or where you know celeste can you read my application you're gonna hate me celeste can you read my application ahead of time and give me very specific feedback you know like this is your opportunity to do that we already missed creative capital but that's one that happens every year in early march and they do fifty thousand dollar grants that are unrestricted so if you missed it this year just start planning for next year watch videos about you know like people who've won previously to see the tidbits that they give you to make your application sm even smarter. Um, the Heinz Endowment is accepting LOIs. It's ongoing. So if you have an idea that you feel is like not, you know, like half baked, not fully all the way there, <laughs> she's going to hate me. Make appointment with Shonda McDill, right? And talk to her specifically about your proposal so she can help make that LOI into a really strong application. August Wilson House is having um, a grant due on February 24th. There's the Program to Aid Citizen uh, Enterprise, which is PACE. Um, they have an application due February 26th. Uh, there's the, oh, arts. February Wait a 26th. Minute. I'm going to also just put this on the internet. Did we miss can, some of these dates already? Yeah, but that's okay because they happen every year. So if okay, you miss so it. Day, we're, we're listing them, you know, as you're talking, we're putting yeah. them in the chat too. Excellent. So that's excellent. awesome. Yeah. Um, the uh, Native Arts and Cultures Foundation, if you identify as indigenous or are doing work that is within that vein, uh, that is March 8th. March 16th. So it's coming up really soon. Uh, there's innovation grants on March 18th. Then there's, there's so many. I'm excited, right? Arts, Equity, Reimagine. That's all of the different foundations that have come together. Their funding stream is March 18th and then May 6th. Something that if it's not already on your radar, but you should know about is the Black Art Futures Fund. Uh, it's a national funder and their application is due. It's cycle five, March 15th. So it's coming up soon. Um, and then lastly, there was a program through uh, Heinz Endowment called Small Arts. The name is changing, but the program is still being offered. And that application will be due in April 2021. This information is not hidden. You know, it is very public and it is available for you to find. And there are folks who sit on the other side of the table, like funders and grantors who are waiting to hear from you. Like they are anxiously waiting to hear your great ideas. So don't hide them. This is your opportunity to share them so that you can wow. get funding. So take that, wow, receive it. <laughs> that's a lot of, you know, I, I asked you to, to catch us up, but I had no idea that there were that many funds available. Um, you know, Stacey, I know you're spending a lot of time, you know, writing those grants and you're getting some national stuff and, you know, how does this keep you going? I mean, how, how often are you having to, to just constantly be in that writing mode to, to keep your doors open and, and make sure your dancers are paid and your, 
you know, there's a split between what you're generating, I'm sure, in sales and grant writing. It's a reality. We are constantly grant writing. We're, we're, I think we're working on three different ones right now. The um, Black Futures, the um, Arts Reimagined, and there's one, oh, we're, we're working on something with Heinz. So we're constantly plugging away at those grants. And, and what's saved us in the beginning was the PPP loan was one thing. And then there was also a special grant that they came up with, with all the um, foundations for COVID. And those, those things saved us. Cause we, you know, I've say, I've said this to you yesterday, we operate as a, like a household that is paycheck to paycheck. And we didn't even realize like how, how much of a hustle that was until all the work went away because, you know, we're hustling every day um, out there, you know, and doing workshops and performances and traveling, you know, mostly to New York, but we were overseas last year. And, and, you know, some of these gigs don't always give you, make you the most money, but they're worth doing because this is what we do. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to stop doing this. And I wanted to say something towards, so we're in this little dance corner in Pittsburgh and we have larger companies and more visible companies because they're not black dance companies and they have a tendency to decide to integrate or they're told to integrate so that they can get more money. And we, we're sitting here as integrated as we could possibly be. And we, you know, we get the funds we get and they get at least three or four times more to hire one black person to be on stage. And this has happened wow. long this happens this has happened for as long as I've been here you know and it's and it's infuriating and how many times has have I been asked to do a project whether it was in education or to be on stage and then they you know I, I don't hear anything else but I find out usually through the foundation that I did this project with this company and and it didn't it didn't ever happen it doesn't matter that it didn't happen they wow. still get the over and so over Whoa. So the same thing that across sectors that that happens all the time. Uh, so you, you, you get double the money for making the effort, but the people who are doing it every day, every day, are not, wow. Ouch, man. What, what are you thinking over there, Dr. Dr. Bay? I see that look on your face. <laughs> More typical behaviors. Well, that just said that did not, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, you know, it, it, like you said, that that's ha that happens in all of our spaces. Um, we do, we we are undervalued. We don't don't we're not able to raise what we raise. But boy, do they love to show us off. And 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 that's the thing. So it, it's not only am I not going to pay you, but whatever I am, like I'll be darn it if you're not going to be on the cover of the magazine or the brochure. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll show the folks, and, and that's just. We have to get to the point where we're able to, you know, to do and say for ourselves, like I said, I mean, Janelle, Janelle sponsors her own scholarship. You know, she has a scholarship that we can support. And here's a way for us to contribute to artists by helping that. And so that how do we start to show what we value? And that's where we have to get to. It's, it's, that's one of the things I wanted to add. Um, my mic sounds weird. Um, how are we supporting each other? Not, you know, we're talking about how you can apply for money for your organizations, but 
we're going to need to go. We're going to need to buy the art. We're going to need to be in the, you know, in, in the, where your dancers are to see them dance. We're going to need to buy, you know, be in your place. And boom, how do we work toward building our own audiences bigger so we are less of, less dependent on uh, these types of funds? I mean, you know, just here, you, have, you, you guys, you've been in serious conversations about how we get gain some of that independence. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think that's what, you know, part, part of it is, um, and, and, and it's really interesting because, you know, music is a like mute, the music like industry is much different than like the visual art space or much different than a dance space. But just to, um, to Stacey's point, a lot of times when you get into these spaces, um, they become a lot of times white. And I think a lot of times like for artists um, are, if you're talking about selling art and who's buying it, you're, you're, you're put at the um, mercy of, you know, some, some very wealthy like art collectors (laughs) to kind of give you the cosign. And so I think, I really think that we have to begin to even like rethink how we, how we view art. Um, I mean, if we're, if we're honest, you know, if it wasn't for art, none of us would have made it a year inside of COVID. It was really art. It was wow. music. It was, you know, people writing for TV shows, people producing things. All that is art that kind of have, have got us through. But I think sometimes we don't value like, you know, there was a, a stat that said like, you know, like 99 percent of people love art, but like 30 percent of people love artists. And and I, so I think that's part of what we have to get beyond is like that song that got like that came out of pain that came out of uh, work that came out of somebody sacrificing maybe spending money their own money to go to the studio and do it and instead of trying to bootleg it or get it for free um, to really think about how do we support artists particularly those like you know I I, I really feel like you know. You know, Stacy, uh, uh, Kenzo, Janelle, or really like you know Jessica, you know, they're, they're folks that have been in this space for a very long time and have shown like we're utilizing art not just for our own sake but for our community. So I think that's a really a question for the broader community: is how do we hold our artists tight? How do we support our artists? You know, like you had mentioned, like a lot of times if you're a full time artist, do you have health care? Like on lock, you know what I'm saying? Like, so now when folks are going through health, like how do we how do we come together and help folks that have brought so much joy and so much support? Um, and 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 the last thing I'll say is I think when you look at like, you know, the ecosystem of a one hood of a of a of a pearl arts of a boom concepts is to be um like we support other art. You know what I mean? Like, like we're not, it's not just me, Stacy and 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 Kenzel. Like there's people that's on the payroll. There's people getting paid. Like we're actually helping black people have a job in a sense, you know, be able to pay their bills, have a voice, have a platform. What we, what value is that to the broader community? And so I, I, I think we got to think about that. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, we're in a, we're in a place where a lot of times, like, you know, it's like, okay, well, we got to cut art. Art's a why, why art always the first thing. <laughs> we gonna cut art. As if that's yeah. something that we don't need. But what happens is, um, and, and you know, I'm, I feel like Dr. Bell, I'm on my soapbox now. Um, there, there's a piece of like, you got the kid in school that is dope at doing drawing and all, but doesn't see a path of how this drawing actually becomes my career. And how do I make money? Because a lot of times we'll be like, what you, oh, you good at drawing? Boy, you better go get a job. Yeah. 
and then you'll like kill that love of of drawing and now you just work in some regular job and you never get to figure out your dreams and goals. And so I think these are some of the things that we're thinking about and working through. You know, what we did last year was we just we called it the One Hood Stimulus Package. We just gave One Hood artists some money with no expectations. We didn't we, look just take this money. You don't got to produce anything. Survive what we're going through right now. You know what I'm saying? So we we just we just started doing that, you know, on a on a on a on a um, quarterly basis. We just send in wow. artists money. Um uh, and thankfully that was, you know, the donations and support we got, we were able to do that. But I think we really have to think about, you know what I'm saying, like I said, how do we not the artists that are, you know, like Wiz is good, like you know what I'm saying? Like he good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like and we love him and appreciate him. But what about these next generation of artists that are trying to crack through to the next side? How are we supporting them? And, and what does right. that pipeline look like? And I know that's something that we try to do with music. I know that's something that, you know, Boom has a residency program. I don't know if you want to talk about the, the residency and the stuff that you're doing to see that yeah. space. And I know Stacy yeah. is doing it when it comes to like dance, like having people work that work it out. You can come through here and, and having those dancers and those folks have a pathway to like doing this as a profession. Yeah, stop romanticizing being a broke artist when no, you know, no, you we got to pay bills. Being a well, it's like stop romanticizing being a broke artist and stop telling the lie that you can only be a famous artist. Like there's an in between space. You know, you can you can be a blue collar entrepreneur or a blue collar worker as an artist, whether that true. You know, Mr. Wayne Gaines on the soundboard, you know, I don't know if anybody Black Pittsburgh knows that uh, great gentleman. Um, or if you are an atelier, I've done scenic painting on the movies. There's a great and pretty healthy, um, you know, movie industry here in Pittsburgh or, you know, in your local area, wherever you may be. Um, so, yeah, man, we, we have to be, you know, getting with it and also just sharing the reality of what it means to be an artist. I did want to, I wanted to like hit a couple, Hey, this is what y'all definitely need to know. So like, number one, yo, make sure you're out of Pittsburgh or wherever your local ecosystem is. Um, you know, Stacy Pearl and Pearl arts dance, they joined the national performance network. We saw that as something that's really wise and smart, you know, boom concepts will be joining the Alliance for artist communities, uh, which is a great resource for artist residencies. We want people to be getting residencies. They have trusted residencies that have proper COVID protocols. Some are academic, some are productions-based. Um, I want to uplift Ed Lee Charlot, who's doing great work there as director of community learning. Um, Sage Crump, I want to big Sage up right now for Tactile Podcast. If you want to know how to build, you guys ask like, how are we building networks? Why are we building networks? So uh, her tactile podcast series and the emergent strategy podcast as well are two great resources. And then, yeah, you know, we got some stuff popping at boom. There's a job at boom available. There's an online, there's a um, window display opportunity and there is a residency opportunity. All of these are paid. Um, you know, I know what some of our major cultural institutions pay for their teaching artists and for their opportunities and all of our opportunities pay more. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. Uh, some other good it. resources. <laughs> I'm going to keep rolling though. Other good, good resources. Black Transformative Arts Network, the Creating Creative Learning Network, and Push Up 
and agitate your local community development corporation wherever you live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. I, I, I usually have to push people at the end to, to kind of share a little bit about their connections. Y'all had a list. Janelle, I want to hear one more thing. I know we, we've got to wrap up. How how is the scholarship that you're offering? How was that used? I mean, who who qualifies for that? Uh, so uh, it is open to creatives of all creative and performing arts. Um, and last year, I did the ages of um, uh, eighteen to or sixteen to twenty one. Um, and I might expand that this year. I'm really hoping for the opportunity to give more than one scholarship. So. Just stay on the lookout. Um, it'll be announced uh, probably late summer so that uh, you can apply in the fall. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that. And then I also wanted to tag on to what DS was saying um, because uh, the city of Pittsburgh just announced the um, you know call for artists for $800,000. Um, it's gonna be given to uh, or put towards artwork um, in parks this year. Um, so we really need to jump on that, take advantage while we have the opportunity, um, show them what we got. Um, so, yeah, I, I also am now on the uh, art commission of the city of Pittsburgh. So um, I'm trying to, you know, just see how I can help make some change and, and elevate us a little bit more. So great positioning. And I'm so excited to hear that you're doing that. Uh, you guys have just been a font of amazing information. And I'm, and I'm glad to see, and I know it's a struggle, but it's really great to see you guys still thriving and, you know, collaborating with each other. As we talked on the phone with some of us, you know, you guys are reaching into other networks to support artists who are, are struggling more. And, and you've been really providing a, a safety net. And that's, that's been pretty awesome too. So we are getting close to having to wind it up. Um, Jasiri, Dr. Bay, anything that you guys want to add? I, I want to say next week we're going to be doing some things on education. Uh, Dr. Bay, you want to talk two seconds about that? Two seconds? Yeah. So the, the I, Okay. <laughs> no, so, so we, we've reached out to some of the folks, uh, you know, in our network who are, you know, academic researchers around education policy and, and practice. And they said, we, we want to have this conversation you know, occasionally over the next six months, like what should we be doing? How can we better advocate, you know, rather than just look, looking at what's wrong and, you know, like, yeah, what, what's the opportunity for us to change? And so these are people who are working on those things at the University of Pittsburgh and at Penn State University. And so here's a chance to hear people look like us talking about us and about how we need to be thinking about moving the needle in these spaces. Excellent. So that's next week, Dr. Kenlock, uh, 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 Erica Weathers from Penn State and why am I forgetting Lori Delaley, Delales uh, from Pitt will be joining. <laughs> All right, fantastic! I'm looking forward to that. Jasiri, you wanna? You've got anything you wanna add on before we close with our amazing guest? Well, that wasn't my wrap up. I said I, I wanted to give a shout out oh, for to the, the the idea. So we as an organization at Irving Kind. And one of the things that Janelle has taught is we are not going to ever not have an artist in residence now. I mean, the value that she brings to the position is like, what do you need an artist in residence? It's a different form of communication. It's like having somebody look at what you're talking. Here's another way to say that. Here's another way to present that. Here's another way to show that. 
and you know as a visual artist but it doesn't have to be you know you know this this can work but she's convinced us that value that she brings just having artists sitting around talking to us is immeasurable and what we've been able to do and to be effective this year absolutely and this is the first time i've gotten a chance to work with a, an artist in residence janelle you you were my first here so it's been really nice to see um, actually how that plays out in real life and i don't know that we you know we need to talk about that you know yeah, and, because and what all of us do on the flip side of that, right, is the stable opportunity that we're talking about to be able to have health care and a stable paycheck and to not starve, right, and to have shelter. Like, all of those <laughs> things on the other side <laughs> the artists are, are looking for and, you know, deserve. Right. Fantastic. I appreciate it. I don't have Jasiri's normal list of all the shows that are coming up this week, but do go out to the one hoods uh page they list them they have so many really great things of course you know i'm always always pushing this white this week in white supremacy that, that comes on tomorrow evening uh ask a black doctor uh all of those will be coming up we are moving formats guys so in april we're going to go to every two weeks instead of every week we want to spend this year digging a little bit deeper into our topics and and spending more having more time to prep and so uh, that's what's going to be different for, for us this year. So we're excited about that. But we, uh oh, there's Jasiri kind of coming back in for a wrap. Uh, there he is. <laughs> Can you hear us, Jasiri? Mm, I don't know if he's going to make it back, guys. So, well, All right. I, mean, well, I mean, so one of which programs are listed on the outro. <laughs> I mean, so they'll scroll across the screen. Yep. All right. So I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks again for you guys coming on. Uh, we'll see everybody out in the audience next week, Tuesday at two for our education program. Thanks again. And much luck guys. Peace thank you. Jessica, Janelle. Thank you. Peace. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Mm -hmm. Bye. Thanks.